We are Marquette. 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 We are So my name is Father Ryan Duns. I'm a Jesuit priest here at Marquette University. I'm a new assistant professor in the theology department. And I'm going to start by playing a tune called Willie Coleman's. It's an Irish jig. You get a lot of music out of this little pipe with six holes in it. So the Irish tin whistle is, I have heard, it is the oldest of the instruments, going back to Neolithic period of time. People would call it like a penny whistle because it was extraordinarily inexpensive to purchase. And in Ireland, a lot of kids would learn this in the grade schools. It would be the first instrument that they play. And so it's used as a uh, training instrument, learn to read music or to pick up tunes on your own, and then they would graduate to more perhaps difficult instruments, fiddles or accordions, the harp. In my case, and I'm I'm a firm believer that the whistle is by rights its own instrument and has its own musical integrity, so that's the instrument I, I specialize on the most. I've been playing the tin whistle for about 30 years, and I've grown up with it. And I found, you know, when, when you go to high school and they want you to learn a second language, or at least I started to learn Spanish when I was in, in secondary school, it gave me another way of speaking to other people, to engage in cultures, to seeing the world in a different way. But I realized early on that that is what, what music did for me and what the tin whistle did for me. I hear the world as a tin whistle player. And there's a vibrancy in the music. It's somewhat understated. You look at it and you think very little of it. It looks to many people like a toy. But when played correctly, you can draw a lot of beautiful music out of it. And I think that's part of my is my spirit instrument or that's my spirituality. I like to look for, for what's uh, perhaps on the margin or what would be easily overlooked and to see what can be drawn out of it, something to make something beautiful and allow what the beauty is within to manifest itself. And the tin whistle lends itself to that remarkably well. And it reflects who you are as a musician. Uh, you are as you... I think the music really does, on the whistle, reflect where you come from. You know, it, it's funny. Because the tin whistle is so simple, It's there are six holes, it, but it falls to the musician to allow the music to find its, its voice by passing through the player. And so uh, if I can play a little something, like you could take a tune in, uh, we'll, do, we'll just stick with jigs, and we'll take a, a tune called like Settle the Pony. This would be a very uh, basic tune for people to play. It's in six, jigs are in 6-8 time. So if you we just played it straight... And 
And that's fine as far as it goes. And that would be a fairly decent playing of the tune based on what was written on the, on a piece of paper. But depending on your mood and your skill and ability, the tune becomes malleable and extraordinarily expressive. So you could play... And you could inflect it, you could change the, the, the ornamentation that you put into the music, and each time you play, it's going to sound different. In fact, it will be different because you are different as a musician playing it on that day. And that's what makes it fun. And so if you go to pubs in the Milwaukee area and you see live Irish music, the, the, the same tune is never played the same way. It can never be played the same way twice because the musicians are different. And I think it'd be a failing of the music and the musician, if it were uh, it always sounded the same. The music grows as we grow, and it reflects the ambiance of, of the place we're playing, and it reflects who we are as people. And so it's a gr- I think Irish music is a captivating type of musical expression because it's a growing tradition. It is enriched by every single person, from baby beginners to the most expert, who contribute to it and, and reshape and reshape the texture of the music as it, as it goes on. What I love about my musicianship is my great-grandfather was a, a fiddle player. Uh, my great-aunt, who was an Ursuline nun, was a, an accordion player. My mu- obviously, my music teachers, old men, now long dead, who came over from Ireland. But when I pick up my instrument and I start playing a tune that they played, I'm musically in communion with them all over again. That what they taught me and what I heard from them continues to live on in what I'm doing. And so... I bring forward their legacy, I add to it my own, and then I push it forward to the next generation for them to to find their voice within it. And so that that I, I feel like my fingerprint is there, but it's not about me. It's The fingerprint is only in passing it down as part of the tradition. And I'm of a mind, as I've gotten older, that I do my job best when I recede and I fall back to the side, so that... As the dancer hears the music and lets go and performs, the dancer should not be thinking, oh, Ryan is over there. It should be the dancer encountering the music and being set free to do what he or she does best. As a priest and as a teacher, that is my goal, is to facilitate an encounter between students and something larger than themselves. And I step back. I can disappear And as I disappear, they move more to the forefront to be who they're called to be. So it's believing enough in what I'm about, the gospel, and trusting that people can connect with it without my interference. I can facilitate, but then my task is always to disappear into the background and set people free to do what they love. In 2006, I was a student at Fordham University, and I was invited to teach a course in the introduction of the tin whistle, and never really looked at the registration page until it was too late, and we had something like 60 kids enrolled in this class, and they couldn't kick kids out, and I was given one hour a week in one very large classroom to teach kids who were musically illiterate to students who had you know, played in their high school symphonies, were junior band members, and really knew their music well. And I had them all in one classroom 
60 tin whistles, which is the worst sound ever when people are just blowing them indiscriminately. So nervous and unsure, I conceived the idea of putting up my lessons on YouTube uh, in 10 minute. The early videos are, I think, all 10 minutes or less. And so I would break them up, tin whistle week one, tin whistle week two, and another Jesuit recorded them for me. And I put them up online thinking naively, oh, I'll just send the kids a link and they can watch it at home. I did not realize that it would just sort of go out everywhere. And I all of a sudden started to receive messages from people. And I could look at the demographics, and apparently I'm very big in Vietnam. (laughs) Who knew that the tin whistle would be popular there? And so over the years, I've recorded over 120 videos, I think. Um, Often, many of them instructional in nature, teaching people how to play, sometimes just playing. I look back now and I think, wow, I had less hair at some points than I did at others. Maybe I I was regrowing hair. I see the different places that I've lived. I've always uploaded from the different communities where I've stayed. And that's neat to see how I've gotten older, how I play differently from my from 12 years ago. So it's it's sort of a an online musical diary of approaches to teaching and I sometimes smile when I watch old videos and think, "Oh, you were an idiot." But <laughs> like it's 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 humbling. Now they've been watched over well over 5 million times throughout the world. You know, I have I have corresponded with hundreds of people over the years. Um who like the videos and they find that, you know, this is their way of learning to play an instrument and it's all free of charge. And I've, I've always been grateful to be, have had that opportunity to put that out there. I once heard from a woman that I was in the very beginning, like in the first handful of people who thought to teach music lessons online. But enough for nothing. I thought, and I look back now and I think that was a very Jesuit characteristic. We have historically been good at embracing innovations in technology in order to uh, make use of them for what it is that we are doing, in my case, teaching music. But I've heard from more than one person, you're the only priest I've ever had teach me. For a lot of people, I'm the one clergyman they know. I've been walking around the Marquette campus a lot lately trying to get my bearings and now that the students here i'm i'm really shocked at the number of kids wearing earbuds and their phones ubiquitous the phone they i mean they stare into their hands and their ears are clogged and i don't know what they're listening to but i'm gonna take a wager that they're not really listening to music at all that they're it's actually just something to block out the sound of the world around them so my my thing would be it'd be twofold one if I could beg every student at Marquette, it would be leave your cell phone in your room when you go to class. Take the earbuds out and let the sound of the city be present to you. It's okay to walk in your own personal silence and Let yourself hear the voices of other people, the sound of traffic. Let yourself be open to someone calling across a quad. Hey, do you want to go to lunch? 
those earbuds are in, you're not going to hear that, that invitation. But to have that sense of silence will make any time you listen to music that much more enriching. So to find music that, that reminds you of who you are, maybe the song from the summer that you, you, had, you were kissed to or that you danced to on a beach or that was played at your prom or graduation party, maybe you find that you're being drawn to new types of music jazz, Irish music, klezmer music, classical music, rap music, wherever it is that you're, you're, you're finding new energy and new interest, listen to it. I think very often we just hear music in the background, but listen, sit down, focus on it, let it be present to you and let you be present to it. It's opening, sort of opening the heart, opening the self to something much larger and let that music enter into you and speak to you and see if you can find your own voice within it. I mean, you might be moved to write verse or write music. And I think that that's, is natively distressing or naturally distressing because you're, it's not about you performing, but about you uh, being folded into something much larger than yourself where you're not in control, where the, the rhythm leads the way for you. And in surrendering to it, you can find yourself. And I think that's I think that's a huge part. How do we center and find ourselves even in the midst of chaos? And music for many of us has been, is, and will continue to be the way to do that. You want to take us out on a song? Sure. So the last tune is one of my favorites. This is uh, Martin Wins number three. <laughs> we like, you know, I download music.